Thank you for downloading or streaming this message from Emmanuel Church. We are one church with multiple locations, and we believe God wants to bless you right where you are. In a few moments, you're going to hear some practical teaching from God's Word that I believe will be inspiring and relevant to your life. First, though, if you haven't yet experienced Emmanuel Live, we encourage you to go to our website, eclife.org, to check out our service times and locations so that you can experience Emmanuel in person or through our online campus. If this message blesses you and you'd like to support the ministry financially, again, you can go to eclife.org and click on the Giving tab and choose Online Campus at your campus. Thanks again for joining us today, and we hope this message will be an encouragement to you on your spiritual journey. Well, hello, Emmanuel. How are you feeling today? How many of you have, have a, a Christmas hangover right now? You're just like, oh, just, just drag yourself to church today. Yeah, it's been a long, it was a long day yesterday, but a good day, but a good day. So if you're joining us for the first time at any one of our locations, whether you're joining us at Banta, Franklin, Garfield Park, at our Seymour campus, our online campus, or here at Greenwood, we want to give you a very special welcome. Can we give it up for all our first-time guests? Thank you for accepting someone's invitation and being here. So uh, hopefully you got what you wanted this Christmas. Everybody received some good gifts? Yes? Anyone? Everybody got some new shoes? New blouse? New shirt? Okay. All right. Awesome. Awesome. I got a, I got a really good gift. Uh, very excited about this one. Uh, for some time now, I could not get my headphones, this is my, these are my headphones here, to communicate with my phone, you know, because so then when you misplace your headphones, you go find my device, and they wouldn't talk to each other, and so I got real frustrated about that, because I'm, I'm the type of person that always misplaces their headphones, anybody else? Just misplace them? No? You all keep your stuff right where it's supposed to be? Okay, I'm the only idiot. Um, so I couldn't figure out how to do that. I even checked with my IT team, which are my teenagers. They couldn't figure it out either. Um, but so my wife got me this little gem right here. And I know what that is. Yeah, yeah, the Apple tag. So now when I misplace my headphones, I know exactly where they are down to the foot, down to the foot. It's amazing. What'd you get? Something better than mine? Yeah? I don't know. I don't know. We're actually supposed to be talking about what we're giving to others in this series. That's what this series is all about. We're calling it Treat Yourself, okay? It's a philosophy that we kind of picked up from uh, a show called Parks and Rec. And uh, we actually said it could, it's funny in the show to be all selfish and all about yourself once a year. But when you pick that philosophy up for your whole life, it really ends up being or leading to an empty life. We said, what if the best way to live is not selfish, but to be a gift giver? That's the, the kind of the statement we've been using in this series. What if the best way to live would be to be unselfish, to be thinking of other people? So let me ask this question. Well, what would we give if we were gift givers? And the answer to the question is we would give what we have received during Christmas times. So we're talking about joy. A couple weeks ago, we talked about how Christmas brought joy into the world. We talked about service and serving one another, how Christ came to serve us and give his life as a ransom for many. And then we talked about forgiveness last week, how Christ came into this world as a baby to bring forgiveness to us, to meet our greatest need. And today, today what I want to do is talk about this last gift that God gave, gives us in Christmas that we are to then give to others, and that is the gift of peace, the gift of peace. There's not a lot of peace out there today. Have you recognized? Have you noticed that? Not a lot of peace. 
Uh, I struggle to have peace in my life sometimes. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I, I tend to misplace things. I do. I drive my family nuts. Uh, where I'm always like, hey, where's my phone? Hey, where's my headphones? Hey, where's my glasses? Whatever. So I was at the gym on Friday with uh, just doing a simple workout, playing a little basketball in the, in, the, in the court there. Then after basketball, I went into the sauna. And it's just a real simple workout, just two different places I was at. And so I get out of the sauna and I uh, couldn't find my glasses. Now, in order to play basketball, I take my glasses off because I don't want to get hit in the face and then, you know, glass in my eye. So I take them off. But then when I leave the gym, I put my glasses on because I can't see. It's pretty simple. Anybody else share that problem? I can't see. So I, put my, so I knew I wore my glasses into the sauna. But then when I get into the sauna, I take my glasses off because, you know, when you go into the sauna, it fogs your glasses up. So I take them off and I put them next to me like that. And then when I leave the sauna, I put them back on. It's a simple thing I do just about every single day. And so I leave the sauna, I'm like getting dressed, you know, all stuff, and, and I'm like, where's my glasses? They're gone. They're missing. It's like, ah, oh, I probably left them in the sauna. So I go back in the sauna. Now the gym is closing at noon because this is the day before Christmas Eve, okay? So it's about 11.45 or so, and, and uh, the, the, the guy in the loudspeaker comes over the top and uh, over the loudspeaker and says, hey, the gym's closing, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, I got to get my glasses. Go back in the sauna. I can't find them. Now the sauna is like, I don't know, six by eight feet. Okay, it's a couple, you know, mo, you know, 10 guys in there at the most, and I'm looking for my glasses. Hey, where's my glasses? I can't see them, can't find them. And uh, so I come back out. Maybe I, maybe I left them in my bag, looking through my bag, can't find them, can't find them. Where's my glasses? Well, at this point, you know, a couple of guys recognize that I'm missing something, and, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm not a, a famous person or anything like that, but there are people that like to help me and recognize, like, oh, Pastor Danny, you're missing your glasses. So now there's a little crew, there's a little team. That's been formed about four or five guys. Like, what are you missing? Oh, I'm missing my glasses. They're either in the gym or they're in the sauna. So now I've got about three, four, five guys that are looking for my glasses in the sauna because I can't see. And, and the gym's closing, all this stuff. And so uh, the pressure's on. And the guy comes back, says, hey, guys, gym's closed. I say, yeah, just give me, just, just give me, just got to find my glasses. Got a team searching. Now, when I say we're searching, I mean we're getting down underneath the, 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 the sauna seats like this with the, with the flashlight. Now, I don't know if you've ever been on the floor in a sauna. It is not a fun place to be. I don't know if you've ever put your hand on the floor in a sauna, uh, especially a men's sauna. So we're under there, we're looking, can't you know, it's five, six guys searching. We're searching the trash cans. We're searching everywhere. Um, and just, you know, can't, cannot find these. Where, where are these glasses? Can't find them. So I'm, I'm slowly getting more agitated and agitated. Anybody ever been agitated before? Just agitated? It's like ticked off. Like, where are these glasses? I can't see. How am I going to drive home? So uh, anyway, I feel bad for the guys trying to close the gym. It's the day before Christmas Eve. And, and so we, we uh, I said, I said, I gave up. So we all, we all leave. And and thankfully, my wife found these glasses in some drawer in our house. These are my backup glasses so I can see. So found some glasses. But that kind of agitated me early in the morning. And then, and then as the day went on, you know, I just kind of had this little, this little frustration in my heart. Just like just mad. And, and then we had to get, to get, get the family together to go to the Christmas dinner to, have, to, to celebrate Jesus' birthday. And it's going to be happy and joyful. And so we're got all the family together. And we're all going. And, and I'm still kind of frustrated. And, and so uh, we're, we're on the way out. And I noticed that everybody's in the car. Everybody get in the car. Get in the car. Get in the car. We're driving. Car's running. Everybody's outside in the car. And I noticed that there's a, uh, the, the sock box. Anybody have a sock box at your house? 
sock box. The sock you do, you have one. The sock box. The sock box is the is the box where all the extra socks that don't have a match go in, and then that sock box goes somewhere. And uh, and then when you can't find a sock, you go and you find the you, you take the sock box out. But you're supposed to put the sock box back. Everybody understand the rules? Everybody understand? Everybody understand? Do you know the rules? Well, I, I'm walking out, and we're waiting ready to go to the Christmas party to celebrate Jesus, happy, joy, food, all that stuff, and, and somebody left the sock box out. So, so that when I saw the sock box out with socks all kind of, you know, just kind of strewn about, that thing inside of you, just, it just went off. <laughs> it just went I went over that, lost my glasses, the sock box is not put away, and there's some other things that happened. And so I get in the car to go to Christmas dinner, and the first thing I get in the, we're still in the driveway. I put my hands up, it's like, who left the sock box out? <laughs> and I'm turning around, and I've got three possible, you know, people that have done it. And, and you know, who did it? Well, he did it, she did it, whatever, whatever. I, I think I know who did it, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> And I'm just mad. I'm just mad. I'm no peace. And my wife looks over to me and she just says, no joke, this is exactly what she said. Can we just have a moment of peace? <laughs> peace is tough to come by. It really is. Yeah, on an everyday basis. I mean, that's a silly story, but it's real. It happens. You know, and those are not even real problems. Losing your glasses, the sock box. Those are not real problems. I know some of you have real problems. You know, I know people right now that have loved ones in the hospital. And, and this is, I know some people right now, this is the first Christmas that, that they had to go through without their love, without their loved one because their loved one passed away. Like those are real problems. And it's tough. It's tough in our world today to have peace. There are external reasons why we struggle to have peace. There's, there's lots going on in our world today, politically, to be upset about, people that disagree, disagree. I mean, who would have thought that this little thing right here would have caused so much disagreement and pain? Just this little thing right here. It's like, should we wear one? No, no, no. I think we should. No, it doesn't. It was just, there's so many reasons in our world today. Uh, vaccinated, not vaccinated, this, that. There's so many reasons to be at odds with, with people over this, over that. And then there's internal, there's internal uh, agitation going on. There's so many people today that are angry and frustrated and struggling with anxiety. I saw an article the other day that, that was built on, on, on some research that was done before COVID. One in 10 Americans reported uh, uh, anxiety issues and depressive, depressive order dis issues, uh, issues before COVID. You know what that number is now? But two years in, it's four in 10. We went from one in 10 to four in 10. So there, and, and what am I talking about? I'm talking about anxiety and fear and anger and frustration on the inside. And so our world today is really suffering from a lack of peace. And that's why the Christmas story is so critical to live out, to embrace to, to internalize into our life, because it really is a story of peace. In fact, if you go back to the story, and I shared this in week number one, but it's worth going over again. In, in Luke chapter two, the way it plays out is that there's this census that needs to take place. So Joseph and Mary, they go to Bethlehem to be counted in the census. When they're there, she goes into labor, and there's no place to, there's no hotel, there's no, no place to go. So she ends up giving birth in a, in a barn, and she wraps Jesus up and, and places him in this sort of this feeding trough. And when all that's going on, there's the, there's the shepherds out in the field and, and they're watching over their sheep. And all of a sudden, 
An angel shows up and they are terrified and the angels say to them, hey, hey, chill out. I've got good news that, that's going to bring great joy to all people because the Savior, the Messiah, is born today in Bethlehem. And then all of a sudden, a, a vast host of other angelic beings join those angels and listen to what they say. Powerful words, Luke chapter 2. Glory to God in the highest. Now, they're all saying this together. I know this it just it doesn't even do justice to the statement, but they're almost... almost singing this, this idea, glory to God in the highest heaven, and say it with me, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. Like That is the message right from the beginning. It's not just joy. It's not just forgiveness. It's not just that, it's not that, that Christ came only to be a ransom to payment for us, but it's to bring peace into this world. This Greek word, peace, is the Greek word arene. It's such a powerful word. It literally means to have all the essential parts of something working together in harmony, such that the whole organism or the whole engine is functioning correctly. And when you can think of a lack of peace is when you have different parts of, a, of an organism or an engine or something that's not working together well, or one piece is broken and the whole thing shuts down. Did you know that your soul has different parts? Your soul is made up of, of, of your mind and your will and your thoughts. It's made up of your emotions, your feelings, your appetites and desires. And it's made up of your will. That's the place where you act or you choose to do X, Y, or Z. Our mind, our emotions, and our will. When those three things are working together properly and in harmony underneath God's leadership and His reign and His rule and His kingdom, the human soul is functioning in peace. When it's not there's no peace inside. And so what, what is Christmas about? Christmas is about Jesus coming into this world, bringing peace to our soul. One of my favorite uh, prophecies of Jesus from the Old Testament, this one is 700 years old. Think about that. 700 years before Christ is even born, this is what the prophet Isaiah said. He said, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government... <laughs> This is good news, okay? Okay. The government, like we have a government now, okay, but the future government will rest on whose shoulders? His shoulders, okay? One person. It's going to be glorious. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of, say it with me, peace. That's what he does. He brings peace. Peace to our world. Peace internally. Peace externally. I love what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 27, before he ascended to his father. He says, I'm leaving you with a gift. This is a gift I'm going to give to you, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give to you is the gift, is, is something the world cannot give you. They don't have it within. The world does not have this sort of peace to give. Only I can give it. So do not let your hearts be troubled or afraid. Did you know that we can go through this life without being troubled and without being afraid because Christ Jesus came into the world that first Christmas morning. It's beautiful. I think that the challenge, though, is that's a nice idea, but the challenge is how do we, how do we tap into that? How do we access that peace? That's always the difficulty. That's always the challenge. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. He says, I give you the gift of peace of mind and heart, but how? How does that actually work? Well, I believe there's three ideas that we actually have to put our trust in or our faith in to access that peace. That's what I want to talk to you about for the rest of our time today. How do we access the gift of peace? We have to believe, number one, first of all, that Jesus provided reconciliation. 
Jesus has provided reconciliation. What does that mean, reconciliation? We talked a little bit about this last week if you were here. Forgiveness is different from reconciliation. Forgiveness is canceling the debt, which I hope that many of you did this last Christmas. You canceled the debt. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to reconcile with somebody. Reconciliation is when two parties who've been torn apart for whatever reason come back together and have that relationship restored. Now that in a perfect world, we do forgiveness and reconciliation, but on this earth, sometimes that's not possible. But what God has done for us through Christ is he's not only forgiven us, but he's brought the two parties back together and he has reconciled us. How has he done that? Well, listen to how Peter explains it. Peter says this, Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned. He lived a perfect life. He had to. He had to be the perfect sacrifice for sin. He had to pay for your sin. He couldn't pay for your sin if he had to pay for his own sin. So Jesus never sinned. He lived a completely holy life. But he died for me and you, the sinners. Why would he do that? Why would he die for us? To bring us safely, say it with me, home to God. That's the whole plan of Christmas, that first Christmas morning. Peace on earth. What does that mean? That God was reconciling sinners to himself through his son, Jesus Christ, by having Christ die for our sins. Is anybody thankful for that today? Is anybody thankful for Christ's sacrifice on the cross? See, Christianity, Christianity really doesn't make sense if we don't understand the severity of our situation, the gravity of our situation. In the book of Ephesians chapter 2, Paul was writing to a group of Christians in Ephesus, and he was talking to them about what was true about them before they met Christ, okay? So if you don't know Christ today, this is true about you. And if you do know Christ today as your Savior, this is what was true about you before you met him. Listen to what Paul says here in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, you were by nature children of what? Wrath. Children of wrath. Like the rest of mankind. What does that mean? That simply means that when you and I were born into this world, we were under the curse of sin. Not that we just did sins, but that we were sinners. And if you have children, you know what I'm talking about. We're born into this world broken, twisted. Our nature is to disobey and to rebel and to lie, cheat, and steal. That's what we are. And if we go through this life and die without Christ, without the forgiveness of sins, without redemption, we are children of wrath. What does that mean? That means that we pay the penalty for our sins, which is eternal separation from God in a place called hell. Now, if you don't believe that, and Christianity has nothing to offer, it's nothing more than a group of people getting together trying to encourage each other to live a better life. And that is not Christianity. Christianity is a solution to man's deepest problem, which is we have rebelled against God's will and we are children of wrath. We will pay for our sins unless someone else does. Now, the beautiful thing about Christmas is that it's the story about how God has had his own son take the penalty for us. And why would he do that? Because he created you to be in a fellowship with him. He created you to be in a relationship with him. Listen to what John, how John explains it in 1 John chapter 4. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, sinners, rebels, ones who have broken his law, children of wrath. He loves us so much that he sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. So Jesus becomes sin for you and for me so that we can be reconciled to the Father. 
Man, when that makes sense to you, you start to realize, wow, God loves me. And he's brought, he's brought Christ into this world to bring peace between himself and me, to reconcile me. That's where we must start. And hopefully today some of you will make that decision to trust in Christ. But it doesn't end there. That's where we begin. We find peace with God by understanding that Jesus provides reconciliation. But then number two, we have to trust and we have to believe that Jesus is sovereign. He is sovereign. We don't use that, that word a lot today. But back in the day, of, uh, and even today in England, and, and the kings and the queens of, uh, of England, they would call the kings and queens of England the sovereign. That's what they would say. That would be another name for them. Simply meaning that they were in total control. They had total power. That's what the word means. Jesus is in total control. And when you believe that, that's when peace starts to come into your life. Right before Jesus gave his disciples their last instructions before he left the earth, which is to go into all the world and make disciples and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that he commanded them, and he was going to be with them to the end of the age, Matthew chapter 28. Right before he tells them that, look what he says. Matthew 28. Jesus came and he told his disciples, I have been given, say it with me, all authority. Where? In heaven and on earth. You know who's in charge today? Even though it doesn't seem like it, you know who's in charge? Jesus is. He's in total control of everything. Now, does that bring peace to your heart? It should. It should. Jesus is sovereign. He is in total control of the affairs of men. I love the story in, in uh, John 19 where Jesus is being basically He's on trial in front of Pilate, and, and, and he's talking with Pilate and having a conversation, and Pilate doesn't think Jesus is guilty. In fact, it says it in the text. But the people are chanting, crucify, crucify, you know, Jesus, you know the story, John 19, maybe you do, maybe you don't. Anyway, so, so Pilate has Jesus flogged, which basically means he's whipped with a cat of nine tails, and, kind of, and he puts a crown of thorn on his head and puts a, puts a robe around him, and he takes him out to the Jews, and he says, this is your king. I find, I, he's innocent. I don't find him guilty. And they're like, no, he said he was the Messiah, the Son of God. Our laws demand that he die. And, and, and Pilate says, but he's not guilty. And so he takes him back into the, into the headquarters, and he asks Jesus, he says, who are you? Where do you come from? And Jesus is silent. He doesn't even respond to Pilate. So Pilate pushes back and says, you must talk to me. Don't you understand I have the authority to either release you or have you crucified? And then Jesus speaks. Listen to what he says. John chapter 19. You would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from above. Pilate, you're not in control, buddy. You think you are. The Jews, they're not in control. They think they are. My Father is in heaven is in control, and he has given you power over me so that I would be crucified. Listen to this. This is incredible. Jesus was sovereign over his own death. Jesus gave Pilate the power to have him flogged and crucified. What does that mean about your problems? What does that mean about your pain? What does that mean about your troubles? Is Jesus sovereign over your troubles? Is he sovereign over your problems? If he could be sovereign over his own crucifixion, what does that mean about your issues? See, what we have to come to believe and trust is that Jesus is in control over all of our problems, over all of our situations. And that allows us to have peace. One of my favorite stories from, from Matthew chapter 8 
is about the story when Jesus is crossing the Sea of Galilee with his disciples in the boat and the storm comes out of nowhere, right? And the, and the boat's rocking and there's water coming in. And what's Jesus doing during this? He's taking a nap. He is just chilling. He's at total peace. I don't know how he's doing that, but he's taking a nap. And the disciples wake him up and they're like, ah, oh, we're going to die. Wake up. Don't you care about us? And Jesus wakes up and, he, and I love what he says to them. Listen to what he says, Matthew chapter 8. This is great stuff. He says, why are you guys afraid? Why are you so filled with fear? Why is your faith so small? You have so little faith. See, here's what's going on. Jesus is saying, it's your lack of faith in who I am that is causing your fear. See, what's true for them is true for you. Because we, they didn't believe and they didn't understand who Jesus was. He was the sovereign over the situation. And because they didn't understand who he was, they caved in to fear. The situation, the waves are coming in. It looks like they're going to die. They're going to drown. And to show, to show them who he was so that their faith could be built up and strengthened, look what he does. Then he got up, he rebuked, rebuked the winds and the waves, and suddenly there was a great calm. Don't you love it? What is he doing? He's, what did he do for them? He's, he's showing them, guys, I have control over a storm. I can speak one word, and it has to obey me. And guess what? That's true in your life, too. You say, well, he hasn't done it. The storm is still raging in my life. Okay. It doesn't mean he can't. It doesn't mean he won't. He's sovereign. He's sovereign over the pain and the hurt in your life right now. What that does is that just helps us to have peace. He's our reconciler. He is also sovereign over your situation. And then number three, and this is so important, this is so important, we can't end with sovereignty or control. We have to believe that Jesus is good. We have to believe that he's good. See, when we say somebody is a good person, uh, usually we say it in response to maybe an accusation like, oh no, he wouldn't do that, he's a good person. She would never do that, she's a good girl. What we're saying is, when we use that word good, and tell me if I'm wrong. We're saying that that person would never do such a thing. We're saying that that person would do the right thing because they're a good person. God is a good God. See, it's not enough to say that he's in control. I mean, if God is not good, then what good is his control? You with me? What good is power if the person is not a good person? Think about Adolf Hitler. If you know the story uh, of World War II, he was able to, in an amazing way, manipulate, lie, cheat, and steal, murder, and kill to consolidate all the power into one position over Germany. It's an amazing story. He was the sovereign ruler over Germany, over all of the, the military forces, the political systems, everything. He was the number one guy. He had all the authority and the power, but his heart was evil. What good is it to have power if your heart's not good? It's actually a terrible thing. So to say that God is sovereign doesn't bring a lot of peace unless you also believe that God's heart is good. And what do we mean when we say someone is good? We mean that they're going to do the right thing, that God would do the right thing by you and by me. God is a good God, listen to the psalmist, Psalm 34, verse 8. Taste and see that the Lord is, say it with me, he's good. 
Oh, the joys for those who take refuge, who run to him as a safe haven, who run into him like a, as if he's a strong ca- a castle with bars and walls. Oh, the joys for those who trust in him. Why? Because he's good. See, this helps us. This helps us to interpret our situation correctly. See, if we have a bad situation in our life, it's not working and it's, it's someone has betrayed us or hurt us or lied about us or said something that was false or backstabbed us or someone has passed away or there's been an accident or someone is sick and is in the hospital and we, our wheels start turning like, man, if God, was, if God was in control, this wouldn't have happened. Hold on, hold on. Before you go there, remember that he's good. And if he's good, he's going to do right by you. And so you can trust him. You can trust his heart. Nahum chapter 1 verse 7 says it like this. The Lord is good. I mean, sometimes I'm just reading my Bible, you know, and I'm just like, well, that's all I needed today. That's it. That's all I need for peace. The Lord is good. He's a strong refuge when troubles come. Anybody got any trouble? Anybody got any trouble? Nobody got any trouble? You got any trouble in your family right now, anybody? Everybody's family's perfect. You liars. You liars. You lie. You come to church and you lie. Your family's screwed up. Why? Because mine is. <laughs> what do you do when your family is screwed up and life is bad and can't find a job and you can't find a spouse and your kid is sick and stuff just doesn't work? And you know, you know, you know what I've been saying recently? If it's not one thing, it's another. Anybody else? It's like, man, it's like, man, life sucks. I know, man, serious, sincerely, it does. If it's not one thing, it's another. You get one thing to work out, something else goes bad, yes? And if you're not careful, you become discouraged, and then you, then you get depressed. Because if it's not one thing, it's another. Right? And this is why this is so important. This is really, really practical stuff. You have got to fight for peace because it just doesn't, because if it's not one thing, it's another. It's just one problem, one issue. We got to go, no, the Lord is good. The Lord is good. He's in control. He's sovereign, but he's good. I can trust his heart. He's a strong refuge for when, when troubles come. He's close to those who, say it with me, who trust him. Trust him. That's really what this sermon is about. These are three ideas that you have to trust He's the reconciler, he's the sovereign, but his heart is good. If you can trust that his heart is good, you can have peace in the midst of the storm. This isn't just cliche stuff. This is real, practical, survival type stuff. How do I make it in this world where everything seems to be going crazy, personally and all around me? The Lord is in control and his heart is good. And therefore, I'm going to trust him. And when I trust him, I can have peace. See, what is peace? If we could put a definition on it. I don't have it on the board here before you, but maybe you could write it down in your notes. Peace is a, a soul condition that results from trusting in God. You could say it like this. Peace is rest of soul that's rooted in the goodness of God. That's what it is. Just take that and work that out in your life. Today, 
Just work it out. Stay with it till it works. Stay with it until you get a result. Rest of soul rooted in the goodness of God. Now, what that does is that stabilizes your faith. Here's what happens with so many believers, and I know not everybody's a believer here today, but we're, 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 like, we're like this on, on, the, on the journey of faith. God is good. Oh, where is he? God is awesome. I want to praise him. Oh, I hate life. We're just like this. You know what happens when you, when you, when you, when you get a strong grip on, on, on the sovereignty and goodness of God? It's like you're just kind of here. You're just kind of stable. You know, good, good things happen. You praise God for it. Difficult things happen. You stay in the game. You don't throw in the towel because you know, you know God's heart is good. You can trust him. He's going to do right by you. One of my favorite verses is Isaiah 26, verse 3. It says this. You keep in perfect peace, perfect peace, not just peace, perfect peace, all of those who trust in you, all of those who have their mind, their thoughts fixed on you. Where's your thoughts? Where's your mind? What are you thinking about? What are you fixing your thoughts and your mind on? Are you fixing them on the sovereignty of God, on the goodness of God? Then you're going to experience peace. You say, Pastor Danny, I thought this sermon was about things we're supposed to give to other people. I thought we we're supposed to treat, you know, instead of treating ourselves, we're supposed to think of others and give, give peace away. Yes, we are, but I haven't figured out how to give peace to anybody. I really haven't. I meet a lot of people who, who don't have peace. I don't know how to give it to them because I can't take peace and I can't shove it into their soul. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> you ever tried to do that? Come on, be peaceful. <laughs> stop being angry. Stop being depressed. Like you can't tell someone to stop being depressed. It's like, so you can't, you can't give some of them. It's impossible. The only thing you can do is live at peace and live in peace. And that, that, that's really what you can do. That's really all I can do is to live at peace, to make sure to the best of my ability that my soul is at rest because I am trusting in the sovereignty and the goodness of God. I'm trusting in the reconciler. I'm trusting in the prince of peace who one day will have the entire government rest on his shoulders. Amen? Anybody excited about that? Amen? The entire government system rests on his shoulders. And he's a good God. So, I, I mean, what, what do I have for you today? I, I, I trust him. Trust him. I, I, you say, well, that's not deep. Oh, it's just how, how much deeper do you want me to get? Trust in God, and you will experience the peace that surpasses all understanding. Here's how, here's how Paul wrote it. He said, hey, stop worrying about stuff. Instead, lay your request before God, and with thanksgiving, pray to him. Put your petitions for him. Then the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's how Paul said it in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. You take that, you run with it. Live at peace by trusting God, and then let that peace spill over into the lives of other people, starting with your family. Let that peace flow onto them. Let them see you be at peace when you lose your glasses, <laughs> when someone leaves the sock box out, when someone says something that's not true. When someone cuts you off in a roundabout or whatever, you, let, you live at peace and let that peace overflow onto somebody else. Make sense? Now, as we wrap up today, let me come circle back to some of us here who've never even taken that first step to trust in Jesus as the reconciler. Let me go back to what Peter said. He said it real simply. He said, Christ suffered for sins once for all time. It's why the baby came into the world. It's why the Prince of Peace came into the world. 
He never sinned, but he died for you. He died for me. He died for sinners. That's us. Someone had to pay for sin. Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sin. Why? To bring us safely home to God. Maybe today's the day where you put your faith in Christ. You put your trust in him. You ask him to forgive your sin. Ask him to to wash it away, to make you clean. He paid for it. Someone's got to pay for sin. It's either going to be you or it's going to be him. When I was 17, I'm like, that's a good deal. Uh, I don't want to pay for my sin. I don't want to spend eternity apart from God. For me, it made total perfect sense. If Christ came into this world to die for my sin and I'm the sinner, and I, if I don't ask him to forgive my sins, I'm going to pay for it myself, I'm, I'm done. I said, Jesus, please come into my life. Be my savior. Forgive me of my sins. It was a simple idea. Maybe that idea makes sense for you today. If it does, take these words, make them your own. Reach out in faith to Christ and ask him to be your savior. Will you pray with me? Just pray this prayer. Take these words, make them your own. Say, dear Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sin to wash it away, to cleanse me. I believe you're the sacrifice to take away my sin. I place my trust in you, my faith. I believe you not only died, but you rose again to be my savior, to cancel the debt held against me. Wash me today, cleanse me. And from this day forward, fill my heart with peace. The peace that surpasses all understanding. Help me to trust in you with all my heart. And may that peace spill on to people as I live my life. I pray this in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen. Can we give God glory, church? Amen. If you just prayed that prayer. Our church would love to put a gift in your hands. We call it our saved box. Inside this box, there's a Bible to get you to start reading the scriptures. There's some information about how to get connected to the church, baptism, small group. And there's also a coffee mug in here to say congratulations. If you would text the word SAVE to 65248, we'll love, we'd love to put one of these into your hands at the information desk at your campus. If you're watching online, give us a little bit more information. We'll send one of these to you in the mail. One more time, church, can we give God glory? Amen. What do we give? What do we give? We give joy. We give service. We give forgiveness. And we give out the gift of peace. My hope is that you'll be able to give that out as you've received it from God this Christmas. I'm going to pray and then dismiss us to our local teams. Father, thank you for the gift of Christmas. Thank you for sending Jesus. He is the source of joy. Jesus, you did serve us by giving your life as a ransom. You you provided forgiveness and you gave us the gift of peace. Help us to live out those things, live in those things, to absorb those things, and then give those things out to the people around us. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Right now, I'm going to dismiss to the local teams. God bless you. See you next week. Bring a friend.